All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. in my office and I heard a rock. Describe the rocket, sir. Does this mean we're not friends anymore? made me for my birthday the first year that we lived here 14 years ago he bought a bunch of closet organizing shelves like the stuff that you get from closet made or home depot and turned our second bedroom literally into a, a giant walk-in closet for me because i have so many clothes and i have one corner of the closet dedicated to cool, all I of got skills yeah, that's ninja right just skills computer skills that was closet still skills. to my like my favorite birthday present because you know that shit's not cheap like it's legit it's it's well i was actually kind of proud of myself because for one you did it yourself you didn't buy like you but you had to like plan it out because you know some shelves are different sizes so i had to sit there and measure make sure i figured out how each one was going to go and so it, it worked out perfectly the way we got it set up so it was it's always been my dream to have that too like my it's like my own little private room we do have a, a small guest bed in there i when i work from home i work i have a small desk that i i sit at but I have all these one corner is just nothing but metal t-shirts and that like I just so many of them and every time he goes to a concert if even if I'm not there he'll pick up a t-shirt for me and he saw skeletal remains in November I think yeah somewhere and November. I was I was out working I was on a ship he got this really badass skeletal remains back patch for his black um, vest and then he got me, because I love the baseball shirts, and I don't know, maybe it's just kind of a throwback thing. It reminds me of, like, the 80s and 70s. So I, anytime a band comes out with a baseball shirt, Anubis tries to get me one. And this one's kind of different. The shirt chest part is black, and the sleeves are white, and I really like it. And then the Skeletal Remains um, logo is all in white, so it's, like, this really great contrast. So I pulled that. I was, you know, leaping through my shirts today. I said, 
fuck, I forgot I had this shirt. It's the best shirt. And yeah, I, have, that, I haven't well, worn it in a while well, either. lately you've been sporting the Nile and that one. Those are two that I got while you weren't even here. <laughs> the Nile, yeah. I, I, well, because the Nile one had a little hole in the in the um, sleeve, so I sewed that up. And I'm like, yeah, now I can wear this. And then I was wearing, I always wear my Nomos shirt because Nomos. And, um, but this was just kind of pushed back. Remember I ordered all those fancy hangers too. So it was kind of after I had like reorganized and so I'm just so happy to wear this shirt. I know it's a stupid little thing, but I haven't worn it in a while. And I'm like, fuck, I forgot I had this shirt. It's so cute on me. Anyway, I'm a girl. <laughs> yeah. Well, and speaking <laughs> of which, Skelter Remains, they were supposed to play MDF this year. So with that in mind, shit, cancellations galore going all across the globe with music. Um, Obviously, recently, Devin Townsend canceled on us. But that was supposed to be this Monday, and it was going to be at Ramshead Live, and the state of Maryland, you know, they've kind of closed anything where you can have large gatherings, and even today, they close, everything has been closed, like schools have been closed, concert halls have been closed, gyms have been closed, spas have been closed, but then today, they also announced shopping malls are going to be closed, mm-hmm. and um, movie theaters. Now, I know a lot of movie theaters, uh, the people who... I know who work for them. They were saying they were limiting their guests. Like right. you could, they were not allowing the entire theater to be full at once. They were limiting. Chances to, are, if you're going to buy a ticket, they're going to spread you out so that people aren't on top mm-hmm. of each other. So, but now it's, they have to be closed. And you know, this has been going on this in Maryland for about eight days, and our our case numbers have you know increased and since we're we're so close to Pennsylvania, Virginia, DC, even West Virginia, we have some people who I work with who live in West Virginia and commute to my office when they're in town. So I think now that the governor has been giving and now the president is also getting really strict with airfare, like air travel, they're the the organizers of MDF they haven't actually said it's he they said they're not going to cancel it they're postponing it the reason for that is because they put there's so much money that's already been swapped over and given to bands because they're in preparation for all this so to have for, for them to have to go back and actually get that money back would be almost impossible so, and on, on top of that think of all the people like we are going to have guests coming from Europe and bands are coming from Europe and if this travel ban is not lifted even though they're coming for work it may still be really difficult for a lot of oh, yeah. people yeah it's, I would not be shocked even if it gets postponed till say September like Devon I would not be shocked if some of those bands in it can't make it for whatever reason like I just it's Unless they get, I would it, actually like it to be in September or October. Well, like unless, be, the weather would be better. Yeah, well, unless they can get it to get the virus under control, like in a reasonable amount of time, like within the next couple months. Well, then you're saying to yourself, okay, well, maybe we've got a shot that everything is going to be the way it's supposed to be. But I mean, we've the got more people, it drags on. We've got people right now because of travel restrictions out on ships who can't get home. Like they ports are not letting people come in unless it's an emergency or you can come in and you can't get off the ship even for crew changes so we have and then we have a bunch of us who are um home right now that you know even if we wanted to we have a job that's supposed to be going on in south korea we can get our equipment there but we can't get our people there so it's just 
And it's a, it's a day-by-day thing. I know we talk about this. We've been talking about it a lot, but it's affecting everything. It's, it's affecting concerts like Coachella is being canceled. That's a huge... South by Southwest, Pearl Jam has canceled their tour. I know Foo Fighters have. Madonna has canceled their tour. Um, you know, these aren't... It hurts everybody, even larger and smaller bands. And, you know, now that all of the bars and venues are closing in all the states adjacent to Maryland, you're seeing these bands who, you know, maybe they're not playing these giant festivals. They might be playing someplace smaller, like Metro Gallery, which is like, what, 250 people about? Yeah, but they're still not allowed but they, to do But it's that. closed. Mm-hmm. They can't. Metro Gallery can't open even just for drinks. They can't do drinks. They can't do shows. And it, it's hurting a lot of small businesses, you know. Um, this is today. I, I wanted... We don't have any coffee in the house. And I wanted a coffee... One of the cafes by us, they had to, they had to close, but they started offering their food on Grubhub. So if you wanted a coffee and a Danish or a breakfast sandwich or something, they'll they'll deliver it for you. So people are starting to try and get creative. Like, didn't you see um, Dropkick Murphys were doing a virtual mm-hmm. concert? And I, I've seen a couple of other bands. And that ties into what I want to talk about because uh, Devin, for instance, he... Uh, to pass the time that he can't tour right now, he's writing music, obviously, but also uh, attempting to do a podcast himself. He he actually just released a long lost uh, episode of Ziltoid. That, Ziltoid, Ziltoid. So I'll be checking that out later as well. But you know, he he's writing music. He's thinking about doing a podcast. But it got me thinking about technology and how much we rely on it now because. With all this shit going on with the coronavirus, if if this had happened back in, say, the mid to late 80s, we probably wouldn't be on top of it like we are now. And we th- like, we think it's out of control now. Imagine what it would be like back then if you're only relying on mainstream news, which has already fucking gone bonkers. And there's, with the I reports. mean, like, everything is available now. I, I can work from home. As long as I'm not doing anything in the warehouse, I can work from home, Get pull up all my documents, and, and do that all from home now. Um, but, you know, the thing is, like... Back then, though, you, you'd get, like, a phone call or, you know, maybe an official fax or a letter, and that's all the information that you got, you know? But think about it from, like, a, a, a children's standpoint. Me, back then, you know, not having iPods, not really... You know, I didn't really start listening to music till my mid to late teens as far as like actually concentrating on it. So early on, it was like me playing outside of sports. You know, with that, you couldn't be like now you couldn't even play with your friends really because of the, the danger of the virus. So the fact that we have iPods, uh, Game Boys, uh, you know, game have, systems. You've got Facebook, you've got TikTok, you've uh, got all A that. variety of movie channels to look at like... Yeah, we back laugh when I was at, younger, I had like 20 VHSs. That's about it. And then like, we talk, laugh about it. It was like the late 70s for me. I mean, I'd stay up till midnight watching TV with my like five channels. And then when the fucking national anthem <laughs> came on, I'd start crying because I had no more TV. So with that in mind, technology, we've become so reliant on it that in some ways, if you were if, like, if the entire planet shut down electronically... We'd be right back in the Stone Age. We'd be fucked. Like, just... You wouldn't be able to communicate with people. Uh, before Facebook, I never thought people that I had grown up with 
whether or not I'm still close to him or not. I never thought that I'd ever find him again. Yeah, be able to just... I have relatives and friends out of state that I don't hardly ever see, and then just to be able to see them say, oh, look, you're looking good, and having a nice little conversation, which you kind of still feel close to them. You can see their kids grow up, you can... But that didn't happen back then. I might see my relatives who live out of state, like, once every other year, if that... You know, I have some relatives in Puerto Rico, too, now, you know, that I can see what's going on in their lives. And it's just before Facebook and everything, it was like, oh, yeah, my my, my uh, cousins are coming. And they, when, I mean, when was the last time we actually saw them? It's been years, but we still can keep up with their lives just by. And that's why I think it's funny that when I see people post about, oh, I hate being inside, it's so boring. I'm like, dude, just be lucky you have options at this point because if you didn't... <laughs> see, I laugh because social distancing, you are the king of social distancing. <laughs> you would stay inside forever. I'm like the fucking hobbit, bitch. <laughs> you, you, you come out for special occasions. I, I We went to the record store a couple of weeks ago. That was a special occasion just because I wanted to do something with you. I'm like, oh, it's a nice day. Let's let's get out of the house. But me, I always have like my standing weekly with my girlfriends. I have dance classes. I'm always on the go. You're like, I'll just sit in the basement. I'm good with that. So that's just like, for you, I think you appreciate all that you have technology-wise because you you... It's funny because you hear kids now who feel so bored and you're like, I could never get bored. I've got all the music. I've got all the videos. World I, of Warcraft. Yeah. I'm set. You know. the, and now I, it does kind of crack me up because like for me, again, I'm a little bit younger than you, but still there wasn't this kind of like technology in my hand like my, my nine-year-old niece has with her her phone and her, her tablet and stuff. Like me, when I was nine, I was playing Barbies and inventing games i was the biggest my girlfriend and i were really into freddy krueger and like we would just invent games like oh freddy krueger's coming to attack us and we turn off all the lights in the basement and run around and scream i mean it sounds kind of dumb but you do what you gotta do when tremors came out we uh invented this game where if you touched the ground the tremors would get you so we were the inventors of parkour actually so we were climbing all over the furniture and jumping from couch to couch and my mom's like what the hell are you doing and we're like you can't touch the ground the tremors are gonna get you yeah so <laughs> that's what you're gonna be looking forward to if technology fails us so be yeah. happy you even got it all yeah. right lots of music to get to a lot of great stuff um got some definitely a lot a lot of thrashy uh, heavy metal stuff some black metal for you uh, some debuts. I got a couple of uh, movie docs I want to talk about. Mm -hmm. There's a movie review we want to talk about because we really excited. Loved about it, loved it, loved it, loved it, loved uh, it. And then we're gonna get to some uh, uh, what do you want to call it? paranormal stuff a little bit later on with because that way we that ties yeah. into our movie because we just watched another yeah. movie. So, uh, okay, but uh, last night, of course, on uh, Metal Mania, uh, Krypton Scully did a new episode. Uh, you'll be hearing one of the bands that they interviewed. I, I checked them out again, so got a track for you for them. But uh, some other guys, uh, four piece from uh, Montreal, Quebec, uh, named Maskrin, I believe, or Maskrin. I think uh, it's, it's Maskrin. Maskrin. But we're noticing an in, I don't want to say an influx, but we're seeing like a lot of metal bands now 
are coming from is canada the new uh metal uh nah, no there's a lot of bands out there they're just you know depends uh maybe they're just more vocal now i don't know but or again back to technology yeah. maybe we have access to all this information now we're this seeing is a them. depressive black metal band so we're gonna open up the first block with them but i also got some new spectral lore and virginia i don't even know how to pronounce that fio fanisi well f J-O is Fio. Right. Fiosinese. Okay. Maybe. That's pretty where close. Are they, where are they from? They gotta be somewhere Nordic. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out, but... Uh, but it's, it's awesome. We yeah. just know it's awesome. <laughs> this is called Gathering Believers Among Sheep by Maskerin. Enjoy.
this is Pamela from After Dusk and you're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Alright, DJ Nubis. And DJ Neko. Back with you on the Metal Tavern Radio podcast. Alright, so I want to talk a little bit about a movie we saw recently. Um, but we have to kind of give a backstory to it because uh, for those that follow movies and stuff like that if you're familiar with M. Night Shyamalan's uh, track history I guess with movies uh, his claim to fame started with basically The Sixth Sense and uh, I admit like when people tell me to this day they kind of figured that movie out midway through I'm like how? Like the way that Shyamalan My mom said the same thing she's like I figured it out I was like really? I didn't like the way he had done it and, when, you know, obviously when you see the flashbacks, which gives everything away at the end, I'm like... Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it yet. <laughs> right, well, but, uh, you know, I'm sitting there going, like, the things that happened with Bruce Willis in that film, I'm like, they all seemed like normal things that would happen at any, at any given moment mm-hmm. when he was doing the things he was doing. So, obviously, when you find out what happened, you're like, oh, wow, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. So that, that sort of gave Shyamalan his, his his claim to fame and his... I got tricked into watching it the first time with my mom because I was like, I don't want to watch it. I, I you know, I don't want to see dead people. I'm not really into that. It kind of scares me a little bit. And uh, yeah, ghost stories are a little scary for me. Like, the gory stuff, love it, but stuff about ghosts give me the little heebie-jeebies. Anyway, um, my mom was watching it and I walked in the house and... Oh, I was like, oh, look, Bruce Willis, this looks like a good movie. And then we, it's on TV. I'm watching it, and I'm like, this is that movie. I'm not <laughs> watching it. She's like, oh, no, you're halfway through it now. Stick it out. Yeah, stick it out. See what happens. And I think she had already seen it because, I mean, I was a teenager at the time, and it was on, I guess, HBO or whatever. But, you know, this kind of falls back with this. We're talking about Class, the um, movie that just came out. Bruce Willis has been in a couple of Shyamalan films, and it's it's pretty. Well, that's the thing I was going to touch on is that you know you had Sixth Sense, then you had Signs and The Village. All three of those are like some of my favorite movies because of the very fact that he's able to play these. The Village really got me. The reverse psychology on you, like you're thinking it's one thing and it just turns into something else. Like obviously it's all the same stuff, but you're kind of like. Wow, I didn't even consider that. That's very cool because you're thinking you're thinking in two dimensional thinking. He brings in the three D dimensional thinking about it and that's just like you're just your mind's blown. So obviously as you said, Willis has been in a couple of flicks. Uh he did Unbreakable, which is for those that don't know, part of a trilogy of films. The first part. Um, then you had Split that uh features uh James McAvoy, who's from the X-Men fame and stuff like that. And then, of course, Glass. And obviously, Glass and Unbreakable also feature uh, Samuel L. Jackson uh, and his character. We've been talking about Samuel L. Jackson a lot. We talked about him last week, too. <laughs> right. So, uh, basically, as it, as we want to get to is Unbreakable is really good. I liked a lot of it. Did the same thing that Sean Wan's good at. You know, you start playing with these mind games, and that's how it ends up being. Split, when we saw it, was decent. Uh, it seemed a little more straightforward, so I was kind of like, eh. But then there was a twist ending there, the Easter egg that you saw that tied it into the first film. Now we have Glass, and 
I kind of went into it because not expecting a lot because it wasn't talked about a lot and it didn't really seem to do well between both audience and the critics when it got released in the theater so I wasn't sure what to expect. I know there's some other movies that Shyamalan did in between that really didn't meet my fancy. They didn't have the same effect to me as some of the other films. So here it was like I'm like alright well we'll watch Glass to see what the conclusion's all about and it turned out to be like really fucking good. I like, loved it. Yeah. And I loved like um, I guess kind of the lesson in this was uh is it mind over matter like sarah paulson from american horror story she's she's in there as a psychologist also part of like another dark you know secret secret society but she you're you're seeing how she's trying to convince them that they're not like superhuman or these are not superpowers or this is not whatever but it does show like how especially with McAvoy man all those different personalities he was brilliant like when he turns into the beast it's like yeah that's it, it's mind over matter he has been able to you know create this beast well that's the the misdirection that Shyamalan uses he you know he has pulse in there to try to convince not just these guys, but the audience as us, that these guys really aren't who they say they are. They that we're just it's yeah, they're in, in a they're in an asylum right now, and they're being tested and watched and. Um, but as shit unfolds, you know, and of course with Paulson and what she's involved with, it's like oh. Mm -hmm. And at the end, there still is that bit of a, a twist. So like you you start to learn that oh wow, this is really great. But for whatever reason, the movie itself didn't even do as well as Split or even Unbreakable. And I thought so. it was better than both. Yeah, me Unbreakable too. and Split. Like, Especially how it dealt with all three of them at the end. Like, You didn't really expect that, and it, and it came out very well. And I was just really pleased about doing it. At first, I thought, like, oh, well, this is going to kind of suck at the end. But then, of course, the... When you find out who Paulson is, and and then you find out what Glass did, what Glass did, it's like almost Mr. Glass is a a freaking genius. super genius because he created Willis Willis's character, and he created McAvoy's character indirectly, and why why? And he used his own brand of misdirection he yeah had so paulson and company thinking one thing and he was doing something else so and then oh the vi see i don't know if we it's been out for a year so i don't know if we want to give out too much because it's on demand right now or is it on amazon or something uh we well actually what happened was i believe it was a free weekend for hbo and cinemax so so it's on tv right now so if you haven't seen it check it out i think you should you know it's not campy. It's not stupid. It's it's very in your head. It, it's got a great story. All three characters have good stories. You see character development with all three main characters. And you see how people are figuring things out and why things are... It was just, oh, that's why he went through the basement. That's why he did this. That's why he did that. This was all done on purpose. And then, boom, at the end. Yeah, and I, I think even though, you know, so much talk about 
Phoenix and his role in uh, Joker, uh, McAvoy, I think, really outdid that even with this I character. I think so. I... He, his ability like to switch gears with his multiple personalities was just flat out amazing. It was flawless. Like He could just do it on a dime. And, and I was like, taking that. And his back. face. Right. Like, when he's, when he's uh, Patricia. Right. Because Patricia is the boss. And then when he turns in, I forgot the what the, kid the kid's I, name, yeah. I forgot what the little kid's name was. And like you see him like relax and his facial expressions relax. And then when he turns into his regular self, like David, like the actual David. That's the crazy thing because in Split, the character that McAvoy plays is very unsympathetic. But then in this film, the more it goes on, you're like, holy cow, this guy has some issues that he grew up with. And it's like... You know, they, and then I think they were pulling that out of him with, right, with the, uh, the main character. The, yeah, and the, the experiments that they were doing to try to like, and then we see more of his, usual, well, not more, but a little bit of like his former self. Mm -hmm. Like in, in Split, it was like eight of the main Split yeah, personalities he, 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 bounce between yeah, them. Yeah, he was a main kid who, through tragedy created by Glass, develop these multiple personalities to, to, sort to of protect like him. protect himself from his abusive mother right like that's how all these multiple personalities kind of came about oh it's just so good i i yeah. cannot believe it didn't get better reviews, yeah so uh, if you if you enjoyed any of shawan's stuff especially in the past this is something worth it's, checking it's out. yeah i it's top tier and i love all three movies but like for me i would go glass unbreakable split like split was more kind of like a a seeking what? Seek out and rescue the cheerleaders type right. it was, thing. Right. Well, it was more of a straightforward approach mm -hmm. to what was going on. So that's why I'm kind of left there. Well, I was waiting for the twist to happen. It just never really did. Uh, but it's an important piece of the entire puzzle. So you do need to check it out if you haven't done that either. Because uh, you're going to get a better understanding of what his character actually is and what it means in the grand scheme of things. So... But, uh, yeah, so we enjoyed it a lot. I uh, felt like we wanted to talk about it because it was definitely worth... Uh, yeah, I know we're a little late to the to the party, party <laughs> on it, but we both wanted to see it, and I travel a lot, and there have been a few movies where we both kind of promised each other we would watch them together. There's a couple of shows, too, that we only watch together. That's why, like, half the time when he starts a show when I'm not home, he's already done it, and I have to just watch it on my own. But, like, we said Glass is going to be something we watched together so we finally watched it and it was brilliant all right well we're going to jump back into the music this next block is a lot of thrashy goodness uh the last track by stallion uh their new record uh slaves of time is going to be on my best of list this year i've already listened to it it's Damn. fucking amazing you are really it's 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 march and you're really putting together that list yeah i've got like five records right i slowed down within the last month but this one uh caught me off guard as it always does and i was really happy about it so i got a track for you in there for that uh last night as we talked about uh metal mania krypton scully interviewed a couple from a band called hyperia out of Canada, uh, they're out of Calgary, Calgary, right? Yeah, that. Calgary, Alberta. Uh, I believe he talked to both Colin, the guitarist, and Marley, the singer. Um, they're a melodic thrash death metal band out of there. Uh, so I have a track uh, that I checked out from their album uh, today, and it's called Contagion. Pretty much sums up what's going yeah, on Contagion. in the world, you know? Yeah. All right, so here we go. We also got Verbal Razors. You're going to enjoy this shit. 
does a lot of talking. You buy me a beer, I might do some more talking. <laughs> All right, that's a, a clip from uh, the documentary on the mentors uh, featuring uh, El Deuce, Duche. Uh, singer Duche, uh, the singer of that band, uh, who uh, coincidentally passed away two days after that interview was taken for the uh, Kurt and Courtney documentary. And uh, he alludes to in that that, well, first let me say that the Mentors doc I, that I watched, um, I didn't know much about the band itself. Like, I know they were one of those shock uh, rock metal bands that were way back when. And it's on uh, Amazon Prime right now, so for those that are interested, you can go and watch that. But uh, I went and checked it out. I came across this bit. Which stood out to me because obviously, you know, the Cobain death and the... The connection. Well, the mystery surrounding his suicide or alleged suicide, etc. Like, even when we were watching stuff like Soaked in Bleach or the other doc that's out there for the Cobain stuff. You know, you always had these conspiracy theories about uh, Courtney Love and her involvement with his death. And so I was taken aback when I saw this clip and the implication of... A gentleman named Alan Wrench, who was apparently close friends with not only El Douche and uh, Duche, El Duche, Douche, Duche. <laughs> Duche, my fault. Uh, so when he brought it up, and then of course you find out that this guy passes away by being hit by a train uh, two days later, while being hanging with uh alan wrench might i add like alan wrench was the last person to see him alive so a lot of weird things is uh alan wrench was also interviewed in that doc and when they brought the stuff up about cobain uh he got very uh disgruntled or uncomfortable about it yeah he said i i wasn't i'm not talking about that i told you guys i'm not talking about right that. so Obviously, defensively, it could be just that he didn't do it, but when you watch his mannerisms and everything, it's just very uncomfortable. Like, it just something's off. And then, of course, there's another YouTube vid clip out there that shows him kind of joking about how you could actually get away with murdering someone in the manner that Cobain died. So, there's just a lot of... It's all conspiracy, obviously, because you don't know exactly for a fact, but... You know, there's just tie-ins with uh, Courtney Love, uh, especially when uh, El Duce is, like, talking about how she came to him trying to hire him to kill Cobain. So, it's just very weird. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Um, you know, they always kind of say El Duce was this, just this drunk and kind of like... Oh, he was yeah. alcoholic. So, but they say he, and he... I'm saying they because we don't know who they are. We have all these kind of, I don't want to say conspiracies or whatever, but people who are coming forward saying these things, just not giving their names just because they were in the scene and they kind of saw things that happen. But they said Duce was never, um, he's never a killer and he turned it down, but he knew someone that would do it. And that's where Alan Wrench kind of, gets tossed in there and Duce probably put Alan and Courtney in contact with each other if anything 
But people are saying Alan Wrench, he was always broke. And he liked to hang out in that group, and he was a drinker, too, and they'd see him at bars and stuff. But after, um, after Kurt Cobain passed away, all of a sudden he had bought a house, a new truck, a 70s Corvette. And That's he, true. And yeah. he had a lot of money really fast. Now, granted, people get inheritances, people... He could have been, been anything. It could have been anything. He could have robbed a store, for all we know. But he um, has also been known as a gun nut, Alan Wrench. And um, they think because he knew so much about guns and he also knew judo and jiu-jitsu that it was possible that he could... Overpower, Overpower Cobain. And they also said he was really fucked up, too. Remember, Kurt, he had a lot of heroin in his system, too. So he overpower him, put the heroin in his system. Yeah, that's the one thing then, that's mentioned in the video with uh, Ranch is that he was describing how you can literally shoot someone up and put them in an incapacitated moment and then, you know, set the shotgun in a certain way and make it look like a suicide. Yeah, it said... Wrench got into a fight with a guy that was about 6'4". The guy tried to punch Wrench but missed. Then Wrench did a judo throw while they were rolling around on the ground and was able to start choking the guy and the guy went unconscious in an instant. So it is not out of the realm of possibility that this man who is, you know, trained and is a gun nut and is poor, he could be motivated to do something for $50,000. But then also the mystery about El Duce, who knew what was going on and then all of a sudden got hit by a train mm-hmm. while he was drunkenly walking home. Which is very possible, but... Uh, Again, these are all like the conspiracies that The you... circumstances, though, just, you know, when you think about how things line up, you know, here it is, you got a guy who's a chronic alcoholic who has no problem talking about anything when he's fucked up. He, he was a guy that literally would, you know, sell his soul for the next can of beer. So mm-hmm. from what I understand from the doc with the mentors is that Wrench took, was someone told Wrench that El Duce had said this. On the documentary. Right. So Wrench confronted him and then I guess they were just, you know, Duce was just kind of like, well, dude, I'm just talking out my ass. No one's going to believe it. Or some shit like that. So, Ranch then takes El Duce to the liquor liquor store to drop him off and says, look, I can't go in with you, but I, I'm just going to drop you off. And, you know, later that night, it's the night that Duce dies. So, it, it's just really weird circumstances. Now, to my myself, like, I really don't know what Courtney Love would want in terms of like killing Cobain like I don't know the intentions there it's not saying that she wouldn't do it she seems like a weird chick as it is but I can't really figure out what it would be that she would have a reason to do it and now money is easily uh, a thing that could be a part of that but you know it's hard to say people kill people for more petty reasons than anything I mean jealousy Adultery. You didn't put the. I guess the part that shakes me is I, I I can't figure her to be smart enough to get away with it. Like it just doesn't really. 
I don't know because we we know she is a drunk and a drug addict too. And we'll get on this more when we talk about our L7 documentary, but when we're watching all that old footage of um, Court, Courtney and Kirk, it's like you see like this family and they're happy and I, I kind of joked with Anubis while we were watching the documentary, you know, this is something girls do. Like, guys don't care about getting, and this is back before people had video on their cell phone, you know, you had to buy a, a video camera and record it and that's what, that's like what girls do. We always, I have old stuff from when I was a teenager on my video camera that, God, I'd love to watch that right now, actually. <laughs> but you see, you know, their lives. But then you see, remember, Courtney was one of the people, first people to talk about Weinstein. And people just kind of brushed her off because she was a drug addict. I mm -hmm. think she's just a drug addict who gets got really loopy. But I do think she's smart. You know, just watching those home videos and, and how she she easily was able to manipulate Kurt to do things. It's true. Um, yeah, it's true. But she is, we see her in public for so long just because she's always drunk and, and strung out and you think she's an idiot, but I, I don't think she is. I think she's just always on drugs. True. All right, well, I, I do find that uh, doc interesting. It so. was just real interesting, All like right. when they pulled up that whole Alan Wrench thing. Because I'd already seen, we'd already seen those other docs like years ago. So it's like, I kind of just didn't put any more mind to it. But then when this popped up and of course... El Duce's comments, I'm like, well, that's interesting because here's from a whole separate thing. Mm -hmm. And this guy, now, granted, at the time, I think the investigator that was investigating Courtney also was talking about how Wrench could have been possibly involved. I just never caught that. So I'm going to have to go back and revisit that doc on that. But uh, interesting to check out. All right. Smashing forward some more thrash coming your way in this block. I've got some anacrusis as well as some new surgical strike, but we're going to kick it off. Brand new testament. New record is fucking great. You're going to enjoy it. This is called Night of the Witch. I think you've been talking about that. <laughs>
Looking for a place to take care of all your automotive needs? Then get in touch with Stauffer's Auto Service in Millersville, Maryland. Stauffer's takes care of all auto repairs, auto service, and great quality parts as well. Stauffer's is located at 8328 Veterans Highway, Suite E in Millersville. Be sure to call and check out all their service specials related to your automotive needs. Stauffer's is professional, friendly, and has highly qualified mechanics to do excellent work with prices that are fair and much better than what you will find at other automotive places. So call 410-729-0121. That's 410-729-0121. And tell them the newsman and his trusty sidekick, Neko, sent you Hey, DJ Anubis and DJ Neko back with you with the Mail Time Radio Podcast. Not ready for uh, time for the rock block. Oh, the rock block? Yeah, everyone gets excited for the rock block. I forgot what my my pick of the week is already. Yeah, well, we'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, a quick thing I want to talk about... Um, Last year, a gentleman by the name of Christopher Iverson from Norway, uh, his project, uh, Diaspora, released Beyond the Black Sun. Um, fantastic fucking record. Uh, he's obviously influenced by Enslaved, Opeth, Isis, and even Tool, uh, judging by from what he mentioned on his Facebook page. But uh, he released a new record called... Uh, Sorg, Mor- Sorg Morgan, I believe. And it's, it's a little bit more uh, scaled back in terms of the metal part of it, but uh, for some reason it reminds me, still reminds me a lot of Ivar Bjornsson from Enslaved and uh, Einar Selvig from Wardrun and their project called um, Hugsa or whatever it was, uh, but I bought that shit on vinyl because of the Oh, whole, it was the, the one, Vikings, yes, so. it was like Vikings, that was really good. Yeah, it's all dealing with like the history and traditions of uh, Norwegian uh, philosophy and stuff like that, and uh, Sword Morgan f- falls in that step a little bit, it's, it's not exact replica of it because it still has a rock and metal vibe about it. Um but it's a really, really good record. Now, I've talked with Chris uh, on Facebook. We're going to try to, at some point, hook up with him to do an interview at some point uh, via Skype or something like that. Um, right now, with everything being so crazy, though, I'm not sure exactly when we're going to get to that because we still want to get some other bands in here for interviews as well. So there's a lot of shit going on, but we're going to keep uh, delving out the podcast and music out to you. And I definitely wanted to point out... Uh, Chris's uh, new record that's coming out from Diaswara. Uh, it's going to kick off our rock block, actually, because it kind of merges between both realms. So uh, it's really, really good. I uh, hope you enjoy. We also got some Mastodon in here uh, Aunt Cynthia's Cabin, Yuri Gangerin, and then, of course, Neko's Pick of the Week, as well as the Heavy Mind. So we're going to get that shit started. Diaswara, this is called Jack Falk. Check it out. And once we're done with the podcast, let us know what y'all think of it.
racing fan and want to be a part of a winning team, then contact Carmichael Racing. Carmichael Racing is currently looking for sponsors for the upcoming champ and flat card season. You could be a part of a long tradition of racing as Paul and Rhea L. race to the finish line at Mardella Speedway at Diamond Head Arena in Joesburg, PA, March 13th through the 15th, 2020. They will also be racing at Hunterstown Speedway and Capital City Speedway in Ashland, Virginia. Racing runs deep in the blood at Carmichael Racing and they are looking to gain sponsors for a new upcoming season. If interested, you can contact them at 443-202-3016. That's 443-202-3016. You can also find them on Facebook at SRChamp36. Carmichael Racing. Together you can soar as the engines roar.
Back with you on the Mount Tamaria Podcast, new episode of the Hordes of Chaos. So now we're to Neko's Pick of the Week, and why don't you let everyone know what that is. So, this week, I'm feeling very 70s. I'm always feeling 70s or 90s, you know, like from the 70s, the well, 70s, those... 80s, and 90s are like my favorite eras, yeah. eras and... You know, I love how each era seems really distinct, too. Like, the 70s had a vibe, the 80s had a vibe, the 90s had a vibe, and you could see them slowly, like, bleed over into each other. And But, you know, this week I'm really... The, the song I picked was uh, Boston, uh, foreplay slash long time, and mainly because I love... The, every week it's I will love the song, but... Sometimes the stories are not, like, as meaningful, and they haven't been recently, but this one just takes me back to playing Guitar Hero or band, uh, rock band, and this was always on Guitar Hero or rock band. Singing, you know, playing the drums or whatever, it's, it's a great song. I love Boston. I feel like Boston themselves have, uh, they are the curators of the classic rock sound, in my opinion. True. I really feel like, you know, other bands kind of sound like classic Rocky, but I feel like Boston, and they, they didn't have a lot of albums, and, you know, I just feel like, boom, this is Boston, and that is how the classic rock sound just kind of came to be from this band. So, this is probably my favorite song from Boston um and it's honestly just a happy song for me like Spunky. it's a, it's just I think of the song and I'm happy all right well, here we go Boston foreplay with long time attention please Be prepared for a musical transformation that you've never felt before. In a moment, we will bring you on a journey like there's no tomorrow. And we will break new ground. Hailing from the land below the wind. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Ladies and gentlemen, Audio Jump. Let's welcome DJ Neko's pick of the week.
Welcome to my house. I'm Angelica, driver of Saltari Alberta. And you listen now to Metal Tavern Radio. Do apologize yeah, for the Boston I, track. I got screwed out of my Boston track. You got the foreplay with no finishing. I know, I didn't get any any finish line. <laughs> I guess so, Dick just never came, was the tease. Fucking bullshit. Well, fucking bullshit. Another news DJ Neko just swallowed her crown. Oh, yeah. I'm having, I'm in the midst of getting a new crown. They put a temporary crown. Um, on my tooth because they're, I'm had they had to do like a, a casts on my mouth to get the like right size and stuff and they're brand new crown coming. Temporary crowns are temporary and pretty shitty apparently because it fell out last. Everyone fr- I know that's ever had one has a fallout. Mm-hmm. Like last Friday it fell out and I was eating a piece of cheese. This week. Just a second ago, I'm eating a muffin, but I'm not, like, biting into it. I'm eating it with a fork, and I've been really, really careful to try to eat on the other side. I've actually, my jaw is hurting on the other side from chewing so much. As I'm eating the damn muffin, I'm like, oh my god, I feel a hole, like, where my crown belongs. Fucking thing just fell out, and I'm sure I swallowed it. This is ridiculous, and, of course, with everything going on with the, um, coronavirus, my my dentist has reduced their hours they're not going to be open tomorrow they're not going to be open on saturday not even for emergencies i have to wait until monday so thank god it's in the back of my mouth and not in the front i'll be walking around with like half a tooth for (laughs) (laughs) but i do have to say shout out to ulrey dental they are a local they have several branches in the maryland area and they have been fantastic ever since we started going to them um i think don't just, follow you. Yeah, don't don't just don't even get a fucking crown. Like I should have It's not even worth it. Dude, I've I've had we'll see, this is the thing, it's because I've had this crown since I was fifteen and the old crown really needed to be redone, so I'm trying to do the right thing according to the dentist and then I end up eating my dental work. <laughs> anyway. Uh, ah. So we checked out another doc. Um, we love our docs, don't we? Yes we do, especially about music, so this one was dealing with the uh, grunge band L7, all girl band. And I'll, this is a throwback to what I was saying earlier. Oh, they don't like to be called a girl band. No, they like they're just a band. female fronted. They're, they're not. No, they don't even call it that. They're like we're a band. They are a band, but we're just describing the gender of the members. Well, I, I make that argument all the time, but it's apparently uh, not something that's it's frowned upon now, mainly by bands. So I don't know. They call me the Splice Girl. Well, but you don't care. No, I don't care about anything. (laughs) But anyway, it's a pretty good doc. It, it, you know, follows their career from when they were really, really underground, like way underground, and then to when they started becoming popular in the early mid '90s, and then it went back to being shit. So Mm -hmm. basically, um, they are very feministic. Um, And one thing, one of the things that was interesting about it was late 80s they were actually playing in LA that's where they were originated from and some of the gigs they were playing with they were actually playing with at the time with bands like Motley Crue and Poison and all so that. not even like 
exactly their style. Right, and so the one of the things I was pointing out was that because they're all women, they, you know, their reception from the fan base is much different than say like Vixen, because Vixen was playing a similar style of Poison all them, and of course they were all pretty up Whereas L Seven, you know, they've got the more grungy, heavier look, and their music's more aggressive. So it, it wasn't received well, and I guess like you know from the male fan base it was uh pretty sexist you know towards them or whatever so well think about the la scene like you were saying poison um that motley crew all of that like it was makeup even for the guys like everybody mm-hmm. was doing their hair doing their makeup wearing really tight clothes being like all that was that style and you have l7 who they're like pre-grunge and don't even know that they're pre-grunge. Well they, well, they all had like, um, yeah, for those bands, they all had their own, like, they were kind of like born out of punk and stuff like that, so eventually the band packed up, went to Seattle, and that's <laughs> obviously where they found their home uh, with other bands like Soundgarden, uh, Nirvana, and stuff like that. They actually became pretty good friends with uh, Courtney Love and Kurt Cobain, which we talked about earlier. Uh, always goes back to Nirvana. Always back to Nirvana, and, uh, Apparently, like with L Seven Summer Edition shows, their roadies would often dress up in drag and stuff, and oh yeah, jump on and they stage. were a wild bunch, right? They, like half naked. The one girl took just pulled her pants down. <laughs> well, yeah, she did the singer. She did that. Um, I think it was on a video or a live show mm-hmm. or something. It was in Britain. But apparently, like they made a, they had one gig where they played a rock festival. And I guess the sound wasn't really good, but things weren't going that great for them. And they were playing there with Nirvana and all them. It was so bad that the fans out in the field were, like, tossing mud at them. So in response, the singer, so much like she likes to do, is pulled out a used tampon and chucked it back at them. And it became, like, a claim to fame for them. And helped the band gain this reputation of being pretty wild on stage and everything. So what turned out as being a bad gig turned out being a blessing as far as PR is concerned. So that worked out really well for them. It's also, I'm going to kind of throw this back with the uh, Courtney and uh, Kurt documentary. A lot of that footage was home footage that you saw. This, they had so much on-the-road home footage of them just messing around. I think that's what you were getting at, where, where girls they're tend girls. to they document everything. They want, I mean, nowadays, just look at girls, like, now, Snapchat, Instagram, whatever. But, like, me, I, too, when I was younger, I had a video camera, and I would just videotape us dicking around. Like, that's what they were doing, and then... They have all this awesome years of footage that they were able to put into that documentary. And it's what we girls do. Like, it probably wasn't intentional. Like, oh, man, we're going to make a doc about this. It was probably like, we just want to have this as our memories. Because that's just what we do. I have boxes and boxes of pictures where DJ Anubis has, like, a photo album that Mm. spans from his birth up until... Uh, graduation. Right. Like, it's, you know, 
25 photos where I have boxes. I have more photos that I don't know where they ended up. Like I gave it to somebody in my family and it's another box of photos. And my mother has more boxes of photos. DJ Anubis has, you know, 25. I think there's one photo of him when he was a baby, one from grade school high school we got a couple more but that's like guys aren't into taking pictures and you know it's just so nice that l7 they had all i mean some of the stuff was so funny like the uh, backstage with their roadies they're putting like stickers on their nipples mm -hmm. and x like with the tape on their just role reversal yes, basically it's just hysterical and they don't care like they were totally into it they were they wanted to be quote unquote oh, yeah. like humiliated it's, by these girls one of the things it's talked about is like between the band and the roadies is that they're a real close-knit family and you know towards the end of it like especially with the doc you know when drugs became so pre prevalent with them and that and the roadies is that they lost a member of the road crew uh, who was right close to them and then of course with Cobain dying it, it seemed to like hit them all at a point where they're like man we have to we have to knock this shit off we have to get more serious about this mm -hmm. uh but by then like when that happens you know they with most artists you had the hard time of following up success with more success that's always tough to do and as a band, they weren't able to capitalize on that because, you know, members leaving. I know Jennifer Finch, you know, cut loose at one point because she didn't really like the direction the band was going. Uh, Isn't she the one who she's like, I don't even know how to play the bass, but I wanted to be in the band. And she was like the youngest one. I don't remember. Um, that I remember that part. But I think she was definitely one of the wilder ones in terms of her stage presence. And that was something that the rest of the band really loved. Um, but yeah, you know, it's like they just eventually they couldn't follow up the success they had early on, like Bricks Were Heavy or, uh, what's the Stinked album, I think it was, Hungry for Stink. Mm -hmm. Uh, they couldn't follow those up very well, so then they ended up disbanding for a while. And I know a couple of years ago they reunited with all the original members, or at least the main members from their success, and they toured a couple of times, but, uh. You know, it's a good dog. It follows, you know, and these girls were pretty wild. They, you know, and they actually were very headstrong. Like, ironically, Pretend We're Dead is, like, my favorite song from I them. think that's everybody's Just favorite about. L7. But, uh, you know, like, the video, I didn't really pay much attention to it, but it wasn't really the direction that the singer wanted to go in initially because she was more of a, a political... Uh, Lyrically, that's you know she wanted to go in a more political direction with it, but the, whoever was there doing the video chose not to do that. And that's what they thought were saying. Might, like, thought it might have been too polarizing. Well, they were now that they're part of a label. This particular label is directing them on which way to go. Mm -hmm. Oh, what about the light falling and hitting? Um, oh yeah, shit or yeah. camera? The camera. Camera dropped on her head and cut her open. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it cut her ear. Mm -hmm. Like. Almost severed her whole ear off. She had to go and yeah. get plastic surgery to, like, fix the ear and sew it back on. Yeah, she said she never fully recovered from mm -hmm, it. Because she had a concussion, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, some crazy shit in there. It's it's worth watching. And it's, on, and it's filmed. Like, they, they have... Because, again, they, they were always rolling their, um, their home movies in the background, which I love. I, like... It, almost, it feels very intimate. It feels like... You're part of their 
backstage crew almost because they're having a good time and then they'll enter like the girls now they'll in inter uh intersect uh, intercept i don't know intercede with some little you know oh this is when we did this and this is when we did that and mm -hmm. it, it was just it was really nice and well done and you know if you don't know anything about l7 you're gonna have a lot of respect for them to see how yeah, they reinvented the biggest, their themselves. Yeah, that's the biggest thing you probably take from them is that they kind of chose their own destiny and their own fate. They didn't wait around. They didn't merge. You know, they, they could easily stay in L.A. and just wallowed in the, the glam rock stuff, but they chose to go where they, they knew their music would be understood. They stayed true to themselves and then decided. We're, we're going to go up to Seattle where we know we have other people, friends up there who are saying the scene's a lot different. Yeah. All right. Well, this next block I got for you, a um, couple classics from Reed and Seconds of Sun, but brand new stuff from Dead Crown. It's called Aurora Eterna. We'll be back.
железной дороги. И мне пришлось слышать разговор между несколькими финнами и старушкой. И вот какую мысль высказала эта старушка.
Gerard Broadfield, and you're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. DJ Nellis, back with your Metal Time Radio podcast. New episode of Hordes of Chaos. Podcast version. So, uh, another movie we caught was, uh, I think it's like the third or fourth film in the Annabelle. The Annabelle. Yeah, Annabelle Comes Home. See, for, dolls actually do kind of creep me out, and it's not so much like just regular dolls, it's usually the ventriloquist dummies, but that Annabelle doll kind of looks like a ventriloquist dummy. It has like the mouth. So, you know, the it's easy to scare me with, with dolls. Um, even the first Child's Play was kind of scary for me. Then they kind of got campy, so it wasn't as scary. But I even had this doll. I, I don't know. I'm 39, so I don't know if any of you ladies out there remember the Cricket doll. And it had a um, tape player. in It's thing probably weighed 25 pounds. I mean, it was huge. You, ha- you bought tapes and storybooks, and you would put it in the back of Cricket, and you press play, and her mouth would talk, and her eyes would move, and she'd sing, and, well, I wasn't afraid of Cricket. My dad was terrified of her. He would throw a blanket over every time he walked past her. Guys. Yeah, get away. <laughs> so, we, we enjoy these hauntings, and we enjoy, like, in the whole Annabelle series... We love the paranormal. Yes, so. yes, obviously, but the, the thing about the Annabelle series is how they had that, um, that room with all the haunted objects, and then Annabelle is in glass, and absolutely do not open this, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, a lot of this centers around a pair of, uh, husband and wife, uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren, who are actually real people, and... The Annabelle doll itself is actually based off a real case uh, involving Ed and Lorraine Warren. And if you don't know, both of them are also ones who investigate the Annabelle Horror House as well. So they're known throughout the 70s, 80s, and I think 60s, where they were investigating all these hauntings, and both here in the States and in the UK. And so... One of the things that gets talked about in more recent years is whether or not they were actually legit or just trying to pull everyone's leg and make a buck. Um, I know that I think uh, Ed had written a book uh, about what their experiences were and was making money and touring for the book. And, you know, Lorraine was supposedly a medium as Ed was like a demonologist. So they did have actually have a room, I guess they considered, which is where they kept all these haunted artifacts. And Yeah, it was, was their occult museum that they kept in the back of their house. Yeah. So, you know, whether or not... I mean, it's, I think when you look at across the board, like different paranormal shows like Ghost Hunters or just Ghost Hunters in general, they will tell you that certain objects can be... Uh, lightning rods for paranormal activity like that is a fact based on just numerous accounts and they also say that spirits are drawn to like running water uh certain uh like quartz uh different types of uh crystals limestone yeah that's they they say a lot of paranormal activity can be you know kind of based around that like running water etc but i think a few years ago, we watched a doc about one of the kids from Annabelle Horror. Not the movie, but the actual kid that lived in a house. And I think, if I recall, he was saying that they were fake. Like, he said that there was no hauntings. 
that they played it up. Right. Like, that, they made it into right. a but haunting. It, and it made, like, his life miserable as a kid because his parents were believing in some of this stuff and had Ed and Lorraine show up. and But he was really angry about it as an adult because it really affected his life going forward. Um, it's been a while since I've seen that dog. I can't remember the name of it, but it's definitely the young man who uh, was alive at the time that the original haunting supposedly. Well, it's saying in, in about the Amityville, um, lawyer William Weber in 1979 reportedly stated that he, Jay Anson, and the occupants of the house invented the horror story over many bottles of wine. And um, I think that uh first of all it's very easy to convince people once you kind of put it in their brain especially young kids too when and you know you kind of get that mass hysteria going with it i hear it's an old house i our house is old we hear creaks and and like right now we have birds that are hanging out on our gutters and on the roof you hear at random times that could be a demon scratching from beyond to get into the house. Like, it's very easy to well, start. Our, our house is very funny because literally we have neighbors that if they're loud enough, it makes it sound like they're actually in our attic. Like, that's, mm -hmm. how, the, that's how the sound carries. Yeah. So it's very weird. Like, right against the walls, um, our stairs, like, if you would knock out the wall between our two homes, our stairs kind of come to a point together. And when you hear them walking up the steps or you hear them in the bathroom, it almost sounds like they're in the bathroom with you because, you know, we live in a, in a townhouse. And, but to that point, you live in a big, echoey, old, creaky house. You can just start, you know, and I don't know which son that you're talking about. I think it might have been the one that kept waking up at... 314 every morning according to the movie i think he's the one who was saying it was ruining his life because wasn't he the one in the movie who was like the one who was supposedly gone insane and uh, so yeah a lot of this stuff there are eyewitnesses saying it's really a hoax like an elaborate hoax and excuse me um there's been criticism by uh different people who are work for the New England Skeptical Society and they, they they're saying that the couple is very nice but their claims of demons and ghosts are at best meaningless ghost stories because they found when they're looking at a lot of their evidence a lot of the stuff that they're finding is maybe errors with flash photography like maybe um you're like oh that's a ghost but really it's kind of like a reflection from a flash or um well we found out over the years that when it comes to stuff like Loch Ness Bigfoot even some of the most classic photos have been outed in current days being fabrication so I'm reading an article off of criminalonline.com and it says and this kind of goes back to what I said about recent years uh but then, following Ed Warren's death in 2006, people began to recant their original testimonies. Families stepped forward to claim Ed had even paid them to lie, while investigations into several of Warren's cases, such as the Anfield Poltergeist in London, revealed the pair had been far less instrumental in the events than they claimed. Even their biggest claim to fame, the Anvil Horror, 
has been thoroughly debunked. According to the lawyer William Weber in 1979, the events at Amityville were completely fabricated by him, author Jay Anson, and the Lutz family over many bottles of wine as a means to recoup the family's losses and unwise investment. So now, I mean, I always kind of hate it when you find people who are coming back later on to recant or challenge something. It, it reminds me a lot of the Michael Jackson stuff. Like, even if you feel like guys like Michael Jackson are guilty of those crimes, why are we waiting until these people are passed to decide to say... Or, or like some of those um, new accusers who testified on Michael's behalf to prove that he was innocent, but now they're like, no, that was a lie under oath. So Right, it's just... It's just one of those weird things. So then it's like, who do you believe? Do you believe a bunch of drunks who invented a a horror story so they could make up money? Or, like, I think... Well, the Warrens have always stuck to their guns about it. Well, I think Ed and and Lorraine truly believe... Like, if to dissect that, I think, yeah, maybe those people made up that story and brought Ed and Lorraine in, and maybe Ed and Lorraine thought they were really exercising the house, but... A lot of the skepticals, um, skeptical society's biggest complaints against them is they they were like using everything very paranormal to discover paranormal. Lorraine's a medium, Ed's a demonologist, so like they're not using any real scientific evidence. Like I love watching the Ghost Hunters, where they're really trying to pick up everything they can with equipment. They weren't really doing any of that. They were praying, they were chanting, they were, you know, trying to invoke spirits, but... Yeah, the Warrens apparently never charged for any of their services, so they were always there for scientific purposes. Now, whether or not they were trying to build upon that, I have no idea. Well, that's probably why they were writing books. That's why they had that small museum, which was a a $13, you know, admission to... I think that for their services, they were going out, doing what they could to be helpful, quote-unquote. Um, but the way that they did support themselves is writing the books and, and you know, the interesting life that they led that made, you know, people would want to buy the books, uh, the movies. They probably got some kind of rights of the movies that came out about their hauntings and... So it's it's just really interesting because you're seeing two sides. Like, even the skeptical society is saying they don't think that the Warrens are intentionally causing any harm to anyone. They they don't. They just want to caution that the claims that the Warrens are are making are based not on any kind of scientific fact. It's all based on the Warrens' opinion. Right. So it's almost like one person. It's their opinion and their. Again, it's their version of paranormal, using a medium, um, using, like, chanting and old-school, like, symbols, to, whereas it's easy to almost fabricate that to make the Warrens think that they have a haunting to go to, which is what Amityville is saying that they did. Right, and I think, you know, when we approach, like, stuff like Ghost Hunters and all that, we... You and I both have always said, well, this this looks like it could have been fabricated, you know, especially as the series went on, because you're trying to get more and more juicy things. But there were other times that, you know, you would see things that they had filmed, and you really can't just Go, write huh? them. You, yeah. can't, you can't really explain them. So I think when it comes to the Warrens and the paranormal in general, it's always going to be 
something that titillates and mesmerizes us as fans and people. It intrigues us about what could be in the afterlife or beyond that. So whether or not you believe they're legit or not, they're an interesting couple, especially with the cases they've had. The movies clearly have made money, whether it's based all on fact or fiction. It's still entertaining, so we get something out of it. It always intrigues us. So I thought it was a pretty interesting topic. Uh, as far as the movie itself, uh, Annabelle Comes Home, it's nothing to write home about. I think if you're really going to stick to anything, The Conjuring was really kind of like the cream of the crop, mm-hmm. the very first flick they had. So, Oh, that was the clapping game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, like most things, it's always going to spawn sequels and shit like that. So that's where we're at now with Annabelle because it's one of the more creepier uh, items that they had in their little room there. So obviously it was easy to play upon that because as Necro said... When it comes to, like, uh, dummies and mannequins, it's it's one of those things that strikes fear in people, so... Oh, yeah. <laughs> strikes fear in me. What was that one we watched that was uh, with Anthony Hopkins? Badger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. That, you have Dead Silence came out a few years ago. Um, uh, Tourist Trap from the 70s uh, or early 80s, so... There's some movies out there that well, utilize... Well, Trap, yeah. yeah. So there's some crazy shit out there that sends shivers up your spine. But uh, Paranormal is very interesting. I know that Neko and I talk about trying to visit haunted places around Maryland when we can. Haven't got around to do it yet, but uh, there's some we, ideas. We, that we want, are... like, I truly want to believe. Like, I kind of believe, but stuff still scares me because I'm human. I, I don't have that mind over matter power. But oh, neither do I. Like, I. Literally, you could take me out to some of these places that I drive there out in... Western like, Maryland, yeah. Yeah, and you go there at night, and, like, it's so dark. It's so any light. I mean, I, I used to deliver luggage at night for people from the airlines, and I'd go to farms, and, like, literally, you hear noises in their barns, and I'm like, dude, I need to get the it's fuck like, out of here. It's like leather faces in there getting <laughs> ready to sign you up. You know, so it, it's some crazy, it's, it's fun, but it, it's, it's, it intrigues you a bit, so. All right, back to some music. Uh, this next block, I've got a couple of tracks from, uh, actually, VR Finland hasn't sent me shit in a while, so this is going to be kind of cool. i got a track from... Sacred Dimension nice. from there. Nice. Sacred Dimension. Grand Sounds also sent some new stuff from Horrors Nation. I believe they were doing a show with Nomos not too long or was supposed to. I know a lot of things got canceled, so don't know if that actually went through or if they already did it or not. But kicking off this block, Sacred Dimension, Stream of Moments.
Metal Tavern Radio.
Violet Cole Nor Kid from their uh, new album that's titled Nor Kid. DJ Newis back here with you on Metal Tavern Radio Podcast. Getting ready to close out this edition of The Hordes of Chaos. Neko had a phone call to attend to, so she's not going to be here to close this out with me, but does appreciate all you tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the topics. Hope you enjoyed the music. Had a lot of great black metal for you today. Uh, it was just one of those weeks, I guess. Didn't have to do a nocturnal pulse. It was all in there with it. So I uh, hope you enjoyed it. A lot of great stuff in there, especially some of that thrashier stuff. Um, special thanks to uh, Sky Nielsen Promotions, all the hard work she does for us uh, promoting our sites. Be sure to check her out. For all your pro- promotional needs, your websites, bands, whatever, she will help you out a lot. She's uh, reasonable on price, and she does a lot of hard work, so give her a shot there. Uh, Carmichael Racing, also Stauffer's Auto, much appreciated for them, their support. And, of course, Krypton Scully from Metalomania, the podcast. Very good supporters for the Metal Time Radio podcast, and they're very cool and very fun. Check them out if you don't get a chance to. Uh, Their shows are fucking totally worth it. Uh, One track left for you. friend of mine, uh, Nolan. He's a fellow Godzilla fan. I played a track from his project Screaming to the Void uh, a while back. He's got a new one out now called Dirge, and I'm going to leave you with that track. Check it out, and we will see you next week. Later.